it's time to, you know, instill into our lives and we truly, truly appreciate it. And we can't, words can't even describe how we're thankful for this moment, but yes, like you said, I will be um, moderating tonight a little bit um, and just kind of conversation style, asking you guys a few questions that we came up with and would want to know um, as far as like our purpose, the difference between that and our calling and just how that informs our mission on this earth. Um, and so we can just, you know, kind of start off like that. And then I do want to preempt you guys by, you know, making sure that either myself or some of our other leaders on here, um, you know, can keep an eye on the chat so that if questions do come in as we are talking that you guys, um, you know, we'll create time for that. But yeah, we can go ahead and roll um, with this. So um, the first question I would like to start off by saying that while well, assuming, you know, here everyone knows that mission as we see in and read in Mark 8, 28, verse 19 through 20 and um, Mark 16, verse 15, like, you know, to the mandate is to win the loss at all costs and make as many disciples um, as God has called us to, like, I would assume that we all know that and um, would assume that as our mandate on this earth. But the first question, and just to kind of give um, proper context and um, backdrop to some of us is what was Jesus' mission here on earth? And um, I guess the part two to that would just be how would you guys advise us, um, you know, about how to carry carry on that mission here on this earth as we are called to as his sons and daughters, as his hands and feet. Um, so yeah, that's the first question. Like what was Jesus mission here on the earth? And part two of that would just be, how do we go about doing that? And I know that you Bishop and Lady Chris has um, a lot of ser um, sermons on this, but um, just to kind of break it down for um, some of us who are just joining um and are not really acquainted with you guys because you guys are blessed and you guys are powerful and just um you can definitely tell that you guys are living out your purpose and your mission so um yeah that was the first question um so over to you guys anyone wants to any one of you can start on that yeah Yes, we can um, hear you. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm listening to Bishop, and I'm. <laughs> okay. Can you can you just say restate what you just said? Um, as far as like the question, sure, yeah. I can. Um, so I just wanted to prov provide um some more context, I guess, on the front end for some of us who um may not be acquainted with you know Bishop and Lady Chris. I know you guys have plenty, plenty. Um, of sound teaching, which is what I love about, you know, this very topic. Um, but for some of us who are not acquainted, um, can you just share um, from our very first question here, which says, um, what is, what was Jesus' mission here on earth? And then part two to that would just be, how would you guys advise us as his sons and daughters, his hands and feet to carry about um, likewise on this earth, our mission on this earth as well? Okay, uh, Jesus himself said, uh, thank you, Tammy, for uh, that question. Jesus himself said, uh, talking about his purpose, why he came on earth, the son of man came to give his life a ransom for many. And uh, he knew his purpose. Uh, he came and he fulfilled 
the purpose for which he came by giving his life on the cross, just as the prophets foretold. And as he himself said so many times, even in teaching his disciples, and for one instance, he talked about uh, tearing its temple down and in three days. So Jesus was very focused. He knew his purpose and he was very, very focused. Now, for us who are his hands and feet, uh, we can't do it any other way. It has to be the way he, we have to be focused. We have to be intentional. You, you, you're not just going to be sloppy about your calling. Uh, whatever you have identified is your calling, that specific niche, uh, and you need to be intentional about it and going after it and not just have this attitude that, oh, when it happens, it will happen because it just does not happen like that. Um, Jesus was prayerful. He realized, he himself said he, he did everything he did was what he saw the Father do. So he looked to the Father and the Holy Spirit. Okay? He didn't come to be a Rambo. I'm not going to do it. Even though he was God, fully God and fully man, but yet he relied on the Father. We see his life of prayer. And, and so he knew if he was going to get this thing done, the job done, he had to rely on, on the Father, the, the Father's integrity, the Father's word, the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how he accomplished his mission. And we cannot do, do it any other way but the way Jesus did it. Amen. Thank you for that answer. Um, Bishop, would you like to add to that, please? <laughs> Well, again, I think Pastor Vani had indicated he was quoting something I said in Liberia, uh, that the two most important dates are days in our lives. Uh, are the day we were born and the day we discover why. Uh, of course, that has to do with the purpose. And I think the assumption here, which is, which is biblical, is that none of us is an accident. Uh, all of us was designed, all of us were designed by God. For a purpose, any creator, anybody who's inventing something has a purpose for inventing it. Uh, whoever invented a radio had a purpose. Whoever invented the light bulb had a purpose. You don't just invent things. You have, there's a need that you want to meet. And therefore, you come up with a way to meet that need. And since each of us is unique, God doesn't have a mold that everybody that he picks everybody and and just makes us generically each of us in is is an individual our dna even if you're twins your dna are not exact i, I am i correct or am i wrong <laughs> i'm not sure i hope my science is right i think my science is right even yeah. twins not the exact same dna mm -hmm. but then each of us is unique right and, and why is each of us unique? Because God has a particular need, purpose that he wants to meet through us. So I think it's important that we begin acknowledging that I didn't just happen. I'm not the result of my parents just getting together and I was an accident. You know, David talks about how we're fearfully designed, and how God knew him, you know, even his mother's womb, knew the number of his days, even before they were. You know, Jeremiah talks about God calling him from the womb. Paul talks about being separated from his mother's womb. 
So I think we should begin this discussion by acknowledging that none of us is an accident. Each of us is, uh, is planned by God. Even if I don't know, sometimes our parents weren't planning for us and we came, but that doesn't mean God didn't have a plan, okay? So each person who made it clear is, is here because of plan. And as some of you have heard the illustration, you know, there are literally millions of little sperms you know, little people, I guess, <laughs> before they were formed, trying to get here. And you outrace each of them, you beat them. And in that competition, you were the first one to get to your, to your mother's egg. And that's how come you showed up. And once you got to your mother's egg, all those other little things died and you survived. So that tells you right there that you, you, you wanted to get here. <laughs> uh, you were eager to get here. You had to overcome a lot of stuff to get here, okay? So the very fact that you're here says, first of all, I'm unique. Secondly, God has a plan for me. And man, I'm you know, i a winner from the time I was born because if I was not a winner, I would not even be alive. Amen. So let's accept that, celebrate that, give God thanks to our creator uh, who created us. And then secondly, of course, we're born again. So first, this is natural creation, which demonstrates God has a unique plan and purpose for us. Then there is the new birth, where we now are recreated spiritually. Again, when we recreate it, the Bible says we are God's workmanship, uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has ordained beforehand that we should walk in. Again, the lesson is we're not accidents. We are work, God's workmanship. That word that is translated workmanship, literally uh, in the Greek, is the word from which we get the word poem. So we are God's poem or God's masterpiece. Each one of us who is born again is a masterpiece created by God. And the Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in. So again, when God creates us, he creates us with a purpose and a plan with things in mind that he wants to do through us. We're created a particular specific function. Embracing that by itself, I think we do a lot for our self-esteem. I think a lot of people, a lot of young people are constantly trying to discover who they are, trying to feel good about who they are, and that's how they get often they get in trouble uh, because they're seeking their identity from their friends and uh, trying to be accepted by their friends, and so they get involved in things that are not good for them. Things which are, which are contrary to who they are and why they were created, simply because they're trying to get approved or approval. But if we can accept this wonderful fact up front that, you know, in, 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 in my natural creation, God formed me in my mother's womb. He made me for a purpose. The fact that I'm here means I'm already a winner because to get here, I had to win. Uh, uh, and then you look at the new creation, understand not only am I here, by design, naturally, but I'm also here by design, spiritually, I'm God's workmanship. That by itself should help us to begin to feel good about who we are and to make discovering and living out our purpose something we're excited about, something that is an adventure and something that we're ready to do. Okay? So I just want to start with those comments. Thank you, Bishop, for sharing that. Um, one thing that I took back from that is just embracing 
the fact that I am fearfully, that we are fearfully um, designed and created in his workmanship. And also with what Lady Chris shared was, you know, to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in every step of the way, you know, after how um, modeling our lifestyle and in fulfilling our life's mission after how Jesus was able to fulfill his mission. So thank you guys for sharing that. Um, and so the next question here, um, let me just scroll down a little. Um, Cause I was trying to preface this in the beginning. Um, while I would almost assume that, you know, just within this community that, um, you know, we've heard that scripture, Matthew 28, 19 and through 20 and Mark 16, 15, where it says, you know, that we are to go into all the world, making as many disciples, right? And baptizing name, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I would almost assume that we know of that mandate, right? To go into all the world, but kind of um, shifting from that into more practical terms, um, I guess the question would be, how do we make this ver these verses uh, more practical in our lives as far as like, you know, as it pertains to our sphere of influence, like we all would come out. some of us are going to school right now um, to come out and get into the workforce and have different career paths. So how would we, how would you um, uh, advise us to take this more practically um, in, in life of our, um, our sphere of influence? Um, so yeah. Oh, yeah just, let me say this. I think, Again, we need to begin where we just where I just ended. We need to begin by accepting the fact that God created us for a purpose. There's a why, and we want to we want to fulfill the why, um, so that what that requires practically is a consecration to doing God's will. You know, I know one of the questions that is on the mind of many of you, how do I know what God's purpose is for my life? How do I know what the why is? Well, again, I don't think there's a, there is a formula that everybody follows because if I were to tell you my story, it's quite different from Pastor Chris's story. I'm sure it's different from Sandrine's story. It's different from Pastor Bonnie's story. So there is not a, okay, this is how you discover God's will. This is how God works in everybody's life, A, B, C, D, E. Let me just share my experience. I have Pastor Chris share hers, and you you discover that they're they're not the same, okay? But then we 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 look for some common elements that I think are still present, and one of those elements that we we'll discover is at some point if you're gonna if you're gonna truly discover your why, there needs to be a decision on your part that what you want to do and what you're committed to is the why before you even know what the why is. Okay, you need to be saying, Lord, what I want to do is fulfill your purpose. I think that consecration, that commitment to doing God's will, when you don't even know what God's will is, clearly is so critical to eventually walking in the perfect will of God. And I think that step is missed by a lot of people. Okay, they say, oh, well, what do you want me to do? And they start, they start uh, basically pursuing their ambitions. Okay, um, asking God many times to bless their ambitions uh, when really the place to start is with a consecration, a commitment to God's will, whatever it is. 
in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to God, not my will, but your, your will be done. He said the Son of Man did not come to do his will, but to do the will of the one who sent him. Um, there's a passage in the book of uh, John, I believe, verse 7. Jesus said, in John chapter 7, verse 17, he says, if anyone desires uh, to do the will of God, he will know. Okay, so that's very important. When you first come to the place where you know, God, what I desire is that will. No matter what the will is, what I desire is to do your will. That's consecration. When you have come to that place of consecration, what, what matters is not that I get married, though I would like to get married. First and foremost is that God's will is done. And that means the possibility that God's will does not involve marriage for me. Okay? Lord, you know, sure, I would like to own a business and be a successful businessman. And indeed, that might be God's plan. But I believe before you get there, the, 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 what's required is for you to say, God, you know, I want your will, whatever your will is. And if your will is that I be a missionary in, in, and spend my whole life in a village somewhere in India, Lord, not my will, your will be done. I think when a person gets to the place where he can make that kind of consecration to the will of God, everything else falls into place. You know, God begins to order your steps. Many times you don't even know where he's leading you, but when you get there, you realize, wow, I see what the Father has planned. So often, it's not that you discover, it's not that you discover God's will, it's that God's will discovers you. Mm -hmm. You follow me? As you are simply living out a life of consecration, God begins to order your steps and you begin to see, wow. Okay, let's, let's use me for example. Again, the, the, the work that we have started here in the U.S. in 1990, I didn't know in my, in, my, in my mind as a child or as a young teenager that I would be living in America, in Maryland, start a church in Maryland, and God would bless it as he has. I didn't know that. And I did not plan this. What I did do was as a child, and you know, again, I know I'm, my, my story is not typical, but as a child, you know, as far as, as I can, can remember, there was a desire in my heart to serve God with my life. Okay, so even as a child, I consecrated myself to God. And I said, Lord, I believe I belong to you. Okay. And I, you know, I, I just got this revelation as a child. I belong to you. And what I want to do is to live for you. What I want to do is to do your will. So as a child, I made a consecration to the Lord of a surrender to his will. Okay. And at that time, I felt his will for me was ministry to preach and teach. So since that's what I felt was his will, and I began to take steps in that direction. And I took one step. That led to another step, that led to another step, that led to another step. And God kept ordering my steps. God very seldom will reveal to you your future way in advance, okay? Far more often, it's one step at a time. And if you have enough consecration and enough faith to take that one step, then another step becomes evident. Oh, here's the next step I need to take. Here's the next step I need to take. No, I don't need to take that step. You see what I'm saying? So that, that consecration then allows you to start taking those steps. And when you take one step, God leads you to take another. God leads you to take another. You find yourself, ah, I see. But this season, for this time, this is what God wants me to be doing in my life. Okay? 
So having made that consecration, God ordered my steps, okay? And I ended up at Oral Roberts University. I ended up back in Liberia. Then, you know, I think I've told a story where we were invited, Pastor Chris and I, to come and attend a conference. We didn't know we were going to come here to start a church. But again, because we had consecrated ourselves to God, we, was, we were just, he was leading us one step at a time. And when we found ourselves in Maryland, we had to say, now nah, God, what are we supposed to do? And, and what we heard was, don't be a refugee, be a missionary. We didn't hear, you're going to have a, a church in Olney. You're going to own property in Olney. You're going to own 120 acres of land. We didn't hear any of that. All we heard was, don't be refugees, be missionaries. Okay? And we understood enough of what that meant to take the first step in the direction of being a missionary, not a refugee. So we took that first step, and each step led to another step, and led to another step, led to an open door that, that we could enter, a closed door that God didn't want us to enter. Okay, but I think none of that would have been our experience if I never had come to a point. For me, that point was at an early age. For others, it's later. Okay, but that has made it easy for me to walk in and fulfill what I believe is my why. Mm. Okay, Pastor Chris, you want to comment from your own experience? Okay, uh, unlike Bishop, I, 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 I didn't give my heart to the Lord until I was in college. And so all my elementary years, my high school years, I wasn't thinking ministry or even fulfilling purpose. I had no concept of what that was uh, because I wasn't born again. But then when I did give my life to the Lord, I had an encounter with the living God. Uh, like Bishop said, you start with consecration. Uh, at some point, not at the early stages of my journey, but at some point I felt that there was a call upon my life. I could not put my finger on it. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I started with consecration, giving myself to the Lord staying in his word, cultivating a life of prayer, uh, getting involved in ministry, not knowing where. In fact, I wasn't thinking, I want to just go back and say, a lot of people struggle. What is God's purpose for my life? What is God's call? And so the focus is on, on my calling. And I like to say, it's not your calling. It's the Lord's, it's the Lord's calling. And he who called you, uh, we, we see that in Ephesians 2.10, that he's already worked this thing out. But when you are sold and when you are consecrated and you, you've, wherever you find yourself, you begin to do, take steps, uh, get involved in ministry. And I started from children's ministry. My pastor asked me to serve in children's ministry, and that was not my heart, but he felt I could do it, and I was obedient to doing that, uh, leading children. And then at some point, I, I graduated to following up new converts, go to the, the people's homes, looking for them and sitting with them with the word. Now I look back in hindsight, I see all that preparation for what I'm doing today. And like Bishop said, God's, God's purpose will discover you, his purpose for your life. And so there was not a struggle uh, to say, oh, let me find out what God's purpose is. No, I, I was consecrated, uh, spending my time uh, in the fellowship of the saints, uh, getting involved in my local church, 
uh, doing what I could do in that local church to be a blessing to to lift up the name of Jesus. And 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 I'm here today. The rest is history, like as I said. I'm here to let me just add this. this. I think I think it's important for us to realize what is most important is for us to focus on being rather than doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we say, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? And when we think about, I'm supposed to be doing this, I'm supposed to be doing it. God, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? And you know what? If you just focus on being Christ-like, uh, letting the character of Christ be informed in you, in every situation that you find yourself, whether it's at church, whether it's at home, whether it's with your friends, whether it's at work, whether it's, it's in terms of your current job or career, just the focus is what God wants me to do here is to be the light. What God wants me to be here is to be the salt. What God wants me to be in this place is an instrumental one Christ can be revealed. If we focus on being, again, we will find that God will lead us to what he wants us to be doing. Exactly. You know, but too often we neglect the being part, the character part, the manifesting of Christ, and then Christ be revealed through us as we focus on what am I supposed to be doing with my hands and what am I supposed to be doing with my brain for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that for me is getting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Wow. That, that was powerful. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on the chat. I think there's some questions that came in um, in line with what you were talking about. Um, but that was powerful that you shared about having that life of consecration and also having God reveal those things and in our obedience, taking that step, right? And he informs us every single step of the way. Like he said, um, his will would discover us. And it, it's, um, I really appreciate that you cleared our mindset um, as far as like not shortchanging, you know, this generation we like to do, 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 look at me, look at what I'm doing as opposed to just being um, not in our own strength, but in his Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? His strength in us to be, be like him. So I think um, that was really powerful. And a question did come in, which I am going to read it. I think it's, it came in line with what you guys were sharing. Um, it says, is it possible to have multiple choices that are all God's will? Again, I'll repeat it. It says, is it possible to have multiple choices that are all God's will? I think in a lot of things, yes. I don't think God cares whether I wear a black shoe, black, black pair of shoes or a brown pair of shoes or a red shirt. I mean, I think there's a whole area where God said, hey, my will is that you do whatever you want. Okay, so yeah, there are a lot of things that we have liberty. God's will is that we choose and we enjoy and we make decisions that, that, are, that, that are good for us, that are not sinful. Okay, so yeah. But I think when it comes to what God wants to do with your life, I think there is a special and particular direction that God has for us. But what we're saying is you really don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. because the Lord will order your steps. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Uh, so if at this point you don't know what that is, don't worry. Exactly. Okay, just keep being. Just keep letting him form and shape your character. In every situation that you find yourself in, let Christ be glorified through you. And at the time when you need to know, you will discover, you know, it will discover you. And you say, ah, I am actually in the center of God's will doing the thing I was born to do. Mm-hmm. You know, also, there's an illustration I use sometimes. It's not perfect, but it's a good illustration. Um, 
you know, when, when, when I, I just got back from Liberia, okay? I don't know how to fly an airplane from here to Liberia. I really don't know how to get from here to Liberia. I don't. What I do know to do is to get an airplane that says it's going to Liberia and then trust the pilot to get me there so I can go to sleep, I can rest, I can eat. As long as I'm in the airplane, being piloted by a, a pilot who knows how to get to Liberia, I don't have to worry. You know, a few hours, I'm going to be in Europe. Then in a few hours, I'm going to be in Monrovia. And all I did was get in the plane, you know? And when I say when I say to you, you know, submit to God, consecrate to God, that really is what I'm saying. Get in the airplane. Get in the plane. Position yourself on the plane so that God can pilot you, okay? And, and he will get you to the destination that he has designed for you. When you get there, you know, ah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Okay, so again, using our personal example, we didn't know that we're going to be in Maryland, you know, since 1990 doing this. Okay, but I was in the plane. Pastor Chris was in the the plane because we had committed and consecrated ourselves to God's will. Therefore, we gave God the freedom to order our steps. He used circumstances. You follow me? What are the circumstances he used? One, he had us invited to come and attend a pastor's conference. We didn't know these people. But somehow he caused them, caused them to invite us. And for us to be invited to leave just before the war in Liberia actually hit Monrovia. We didn't know these things, but God is ordering our steps, right? So he arranges for us to get out of Liberia to attend a conference. And we think we're just going to be here for six weeks. But God has another plan. Okay? We go to the conference. We end up in Tulsa because we have relatives there. And we're visiting, and now we think we're going back to Liberia. So we get on a plane, we fly to Maryland, we're going to preach in Baltimore, we're going to visit. And we think we're going to Liberia, but God is ordering our steps. We get to Maryland, and whoop, the door shut. We can't, we're not going anywhere. But he made sure he got us out of Tulsa. Because if he hadn't gotten out of, us out of Tulsa, we would have stayed in Tulsa. Since Tulsa for us was home in America, and we had my brother and my sister, sisters and my brother, in law were in Tulsa. So that's where I would have stayed. So God made sure he ordered our steps, got us out of Tulsa to Maryland because that's where he wanted us to be. Then the door to Liberia shut. <laughs> Guess what? We, we Our steps were being ordered and then we seek him and he said, now, don't be a refugee, be a missionary. You see how God ordered our steps and we didn't know all the, 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 the steps, but he did. And as long as we were in the plane and trusting him, we had given him permission to do those kinds of things. Mm. Follow me? And I believe he'll do the same for anybody who gets in an airplane, so to speak, by simply consecrating themselves to him and then trusting him. Yeah. Well, and, and, and this is where faith comes in. Uh, instead of struggling, just relying on him. I remember what said about two summers ago, I purpose to take, I don't know how to swim. And two summers ago, I was going to swim. I was going to learn how to swim. And I went to the class all prepared. I got all my gears and I was going to learn how to swim. In the first place, I was so afraid of putting my head under the water. And the instructor said, you have to overcome that fear. And then he said, listen, your body, there's something built in you called buoyancy. And, 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 and you can you just need to trust the water. 
my God, I was trying to trust the water and I was flapping all over the place. In fact, I was saying to someone, I thought I was dying because one time I went under and I drank some of that pool water because I wasn't trusting. So just let my weight go and let the water carry me. And he said, you are not drowned. You just got to trust the water. I said, what? And the same thing applies to spiritual things where we learn to, if he said he's ordered our steps and everything concerning us, he knew even before we came into being, then we need to trust God and trust the process and not struggle. And he will get you there. Like Bishop says, you will get there. You say, oh my, you know, I, I look back and I see every step of the way God was directing me. And it makes me to say, okay, God, if you brought me this far, then I can trust you totally. I'm going to rely on you like, like just floating on that water and let the water do what it was intended to do. And let my body do what it was also intended to do. Mm. Well, that's good. I think the two themes that I hear from what both of you shared um, was just surrendering and trusting, trusting God, right? I think I would, I would say for me, um, just being a part of this generation, there's that um, instant results uh, mindset that we we tend to have, or at least for me personally, where we want to see the results. We want to now, 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 as opposed to like you guys were sharing, trusting that process, that process can look like, you know, like for your example, um, Auntie Chris, where the swim class could have taken other people maybe I don't know, four weeks to knock out and learn all they need to in order to swim, or it can take other people a lot longer. So just about trusting the process and um, the longevity of that. And um, what's the purpose behind God taking us through that process? We um, put on the new, a new character. We learn some things. We have some more tools in, the, in our bags now to move forward because it's all about that progression. It's all about the, um, how he is preparing us for a greater purpose on this earth. So thank you guys for um, expanding on that about just surrendering and trusting God. Um, and even at times it takes us laying aside our pride um, when it comes to, you know, what God has in store for us and not um, putting ourselves in front of that, but allowing God and hearing him so clearly in every step of the way, like you guys shared with your examples. So thank you guys so much. Um, another question did come in the chat. Um, I think it was, oh, it was sent directly to me, but I'll read it out loud. Um, what It says, what do you do if you realize that you are operating away from your life? Oh, well, let me rephrase that. So it says, what do you do if you realize that you are operating away from your life mission, from your life mission? So what do you do? Well, that's simple. Life? What do you do when you're following, when you're trying to get somewhere and you realize, oh, I took the wrong road? <laughs> you stop and you get back to where you should be. So that's where repentance comes in. You know, I mean, along the way, we're going to make mistakes. And God, by the way, God's grace covers that too. Yes. You know, so it's not like if I make one mistake, it's over. Nah, God is so awesome that all things work together for good. You know, so we can make mistakes and yet God, God already, do you make the mistakes? And he has built in a plan to still bring you back to where you need to be. Yeah. So if it, sometimes you make mistakes and you don't know. Okay. And of course, in that case, God will order your steps back to where you need to be. But there are times where he chooses for you to see that you made a mistake. So when you know, 
that you've made a mistake, then what you need to say, God, I'm sorry. You know, I should not have made this turn. I acted prematurely. Uh, I was motivated for the wrong reason. And now I end up in a place that I don't need to be. I'm sorry. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, <laughs> I plan, I, I want to get back on track. So just guide me back to where I need to be at this time. Or take me from where I am to where I need to be. And then trust him. Okay? But don't keep going just because, you know, all right, I missed it. And I, I've already gone five miles down the road. I, I took the wrong essence. So I'm just going to keep going. Because all that does is take you further and further away from where you're supposed to be. Okay? So if God gives you the grace to recognize you've made a wrong turn, then do what the prodigal son did, get up and say, you know what, I'm going back. And I'm, you know, and guess what? When, when the prodigal son got back, the father wasn't there to, to, to yell at him. He said, okay, now that you're back, let's, let's get it right and keep moving forward. Okay. And I do think, I do think we can delay things and we can prolong things uh, if we're not, if we're not, again, I think that happens often when we haven't made that consecration. Okay, I think when we have not made that consecration, it's much easier to do that stuff because we're making decisions based upon what we want. And so it's difficult to, to remain focused uh, and centered in what God is doing or wants to do if you, if, you have, if, you're, if you haven't yet gotten that place where you say, God, I present my body to you, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to you. This is my reasonable service. Okay, Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. That's your reasonable act of worship. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can do what? Prove, experience God's perfect will. So if we're going to experience God's perfect will, then we need to do what? Present our bodies to God, which again comes back to that consecration thing. Okay, so if we do our part, which is to present our bodies, God will do his part, cause us to experience his perfect will. And, and just because you, you find out you made a mistake or that you, made a, that you made an error, don't beat yourself up with that. Because it doesn't profit anything. If you're going to just hold on to your failures, oh, I failed, I should have gone this way, I didn't. No, this is where grace comes in. And like Bishop said, the prodigal son's father, was he was out looking out for his son to return. And that's our relationship with, with the Lord. It don't, don't, don't allow guilt to overtake you when you never fulfill your purpose because you made a mistake. Get back, repent. Repenting means change your mind. Uh, I'm going left and I find a left is not the right way. So I turn to go right. And, and, and God will use even your mistakes uh, as a testimony in your, your life. Peter, you know, Peter denied the Lord and took a wrong turn. Jesus came looking for him and, and uh, showed him how much he loved him. And Peter got back on track. And you know, God ended up using Peter mightily. Uh, John Mark, uh, you know, made some wrong decisions when he was connected with Paul. But at the end, we find that John Mark became one of Paul's most useful helpers and fellow ministers. So again, we serve such a great God that he's able to take even our mistakes and make them work to fulfill his purpose. Okay, now that's not a reason to be careless, and that's not a reason to make, because the reality is there's also a devil, 
Yes. And when we make these new these raw moves, we expose ourselves to harm. That's just reality. We expose ourselves to harm. Uh, and the enemy will take advantage of those opportunities. So you don't want to do that. Uh, especially, again, it's one thing to just make a mistake. It's another thing to, that if that mistake is really a choice to live in sin yeah. or to practice sin, that's another thing altogether because you're really not going to expose yourself to the enemy. And he's going to beat up on you because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you choose to, to live in sin, well, yeah, you, someone say you get a devil an inch, he's going to take... Uh, was it a mile? Yeah, you know, and he's gonna he's gonna exploit it. So uh one reason why you and I should avoid sin again is not because God gets angry with us and God is gonna kill us. No, it's because the devil is real. And if you sow to the flesh, you, you're sowing seeds that will reap corruption, pain, some type of death is a result of sin. And when God tells you not to do something, it's not because he's trying to keep you from something good, it's because he's trying to keep you from something bad. Uh, that ultimately is harmful to you. And the sooner we learn that, you know, the harder and the more difficult it will be for the devil to tempt us to do crazy things just to satisfy momentary uh, emotional needs that we have. Coming back to this doing thing, doing thing again, I think you've said that, Tammy, the young, 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 your generation, and I don't know what it is who just of your generation, maybe it was true of mine as well. When you're young, you know, you, you, this, this idea, I want to do something. We tend to focus more on what we're going to do. And we live in a society where you get your approval and you get your recognition. So based upon what you're doing, okay? Before it used to be more a men thing, you know, what the men feel they need to do and they need to achieve and they need to do. Now the women are just as, as committed to and, and, and competitive in terms of wanting to be able to say, look at what I did. You know, look what I created. Look at, you know, how significant my life is. And then we look at other people, and maybe other sisters or any other guys who seem to be doing things and if we're not doing things, then we become discontented. We feel somehow either we're feeling God or God is feeling us. And then if we're not careful, uh, like Pastor Chris said, we can allow that to so discourage us to just become demotivated or it can become the reason we're so motivated to do stuff but now we start taking matters in our own hands and just start doing what we feel we need to do because I, you know, I got to produce too. And then we start asking God to bless what we're doing rather than following where God is ordering our steps. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um, and I think with that doing, doing, doing mentality, I just think it's probably even more so now because um, I didn't <laughs> grow up in your generation, but as far as like the language of society, I feel like there's a lot of like, even the line of questioning, um, what are you studying? What are you doing, doing, doing? Like, what are you, that's how it's, it's phrased all the time. So in our minds, all we want to do is like you were saying, you know, approval or like, Hey, look at me, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I accomplished. But, um, but everything that you guys shared is just about being and not in us striving to be like Christ, but help, him helping us to be like mold us into to his image even more. Um, and so I thank you guys for clearing that. Um, and I see Bishop wanted to say. Yeah, let me, and I think, you know, it, it makes it more difficult to pastor you guys, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Okay, it does. Because you're not, you think something is wrong for the most part if you are not doing your own thing. 
you know, if I can't, if I can't, if I don't have my own that I can attach my name to, that I created, that I am overseeing, that I am in charge of, uh, if I don't have that, then something's wrong, I'm supposed to. And so many times you, you know, to, and forgive me, but that's the impression I get. It's, it's difficult to get young adults to really commit, you know, to serving in the local church, and, you know, and being faithful to certain areas long-term. Um, and it makes it difficult because sometimes we pass it, we don't know what we can say or what we cannot say, what would be accepted or what would be rejected. Uh, it makes it harder, you know, because again, the focus is not on becoming, it's on doing. And so God may have you in a local church and he's working and you're becoming something. You're hearing the word, you know, you're coming to know Jesus, you're growing spiritually, but somehow because you're not doing whatever it is that you feel you're supposed to be doing, you can never find fulfillment. So we have a culture where people just, they, they leave, you know, it's hard for them to stay committed for a long time in one place. Okay. So it makes it more challenging. Yeah, um, well, I have my eye on the chat, but um, maybe you guys can address this a little bit more. I would say for me, it was kind of, um, I, I, it wasn't, I didn't stomach it well when you said, you know, just to, you know, being, because in my mind, it's like, I'm in the time where it's like, we want to graduate, want to start working, you know, want to network and have all these opportunities lined up where, again, you guys have explained that, that it's not about the doing and doing and doing it's about being but almost in my mind how I kind of took that is just like well I know it, it doesn't mean that but like kind of like just passively you know not striving or not doing anything seemingly right but I know that that's not what you guys are conveying but in my mind it came across as like a little bit of that um passivity no it's not passivity at all it's just saying that what what is most what God wants to do is to form you into the into the into the likeness of Christ. That is what God is doing. You follow me? And so wherever you find yourself, you ought to do as under the Lord. And if you're doing as under the Lord, you're not passive. <laughs> you follow me? Christ, Christ, Christ did what he did as under the Lord for his glory. Mm. Okay. And there's another passage that I read recently where Jesus said, if anyone uh, the one who seeks God's glory, or the one who seeks the glory of the one who sent him, that one is true. The one who seeks the glory of the one who sent him, that one is true. And of course, Jesus, in one sense, was referring to himself because he was seeking the glory of the Father, not his own glory. You see what I'm saying? So if what you're doing is because you're seeking his glory, and he's leading, then that's a different thing. But if you're doing stuff because you want to uh, seek your own glory, so to speak, or you're being influenced by society, that i got to have my own, you're not motivated truly for his glory. You're being motivated by these, by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You follow me? So, no, we're not saying be passive at all. Paul, Paul, Paul was not passive. Jesus, Jesus said, I must do the work of him who sent me while in the state. So there's work to be done. Uh, but again, 
the focus ought to be on being what God wants you to be as you do what God may be giving you to do at a certain point in time or that you sense that you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Just don't be motivated uh, by this, this false notion that uh, what God wants me to do is to produce or, I, or I've never, or, 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 or I cannot be fulfilled until I am producing stuff mm -hmm. uh, that makes me look good, you know, in the eyes of men. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm certainly not passive. We wouldn't have been, we wouldn't be here if we're not passive. So, I mean, we're passive. Remember, I told you, the Lord said, don't be refugees, be missionaries. Well, a missionary doesn't sit down across the sand and does nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, a missionary does a lot. Okay. But again, the motivation, because I have a choice, right? I have a good degree. I have a good brain, to be honest with you. God has blessed me with my good brain. I have options. I didn't have to choose the way of, of pastoring from a natural standpoint. Okay, because when we started in 1990, there was nothing. Now you come and you see the campus and it looks, hey, it looks like there's something here. But in 1990, there was nothing. You understand? <laughs> My wife, this educated, beautiful girl here, okay, she had to work at Marshalls, okay, for $5 an hour. That was the minimum wage then. I think the minimum wage hasn't changed much since then, to be honest, right? Um, and then she had to also braid hair when she could. So, I mean, we could have done something different from a financial standpoint and maybe would have succeeded at it just from a natural standpoint, okay? But because I was focused more on being what God wanted me to be and what does God want me to be submitted to Christ and submitted to him in every situation, not motivated primarily by a desire to look good or to achieve worldly success, but the, out of a desire to glorify him, that's being what God wants me to be. He, he did give me a lot to do, but I didn't have to do it in my strength alone. He was there working in and through me because if I were doing this by myself, it wouldn't be where we are. Yeah. So surrendering to God, consecrating to God doesn't lead to passive, passive, passivity. In fact, you might end up being more active and more busy than you've ever been before. It's just that you will be focused on being what God wants you to be as you do what God is telling you to do. Yeah. And, and we're saying that the place to begin is the being. Often people want to put the doing before the being and they make a shipwreck of their faith and, and, and they're not a testimony to the Lord. And the story that comes to mind is the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was busy doing, and, Jesus, and, and Mary was being. And so Jesus commended her that she chose that which was best because she sat at his feet, listening to his word and her life being transformed to become more and more like him, being instead of doing. But when you are, when you are being, eventually you will do, you will discover yourself doing. But, but often we put the cart before the horse, we want to do and we don't want to be. For instance, Jesus said, if you want to be great, what should you do? Be a servant. Mm -hmm. Be yeah. a servant. Now, if you are a servant, guess what? You will serve. Mm -hmm. Right? You will wash feet. You will do a lot of stuff because you are 
a servant. You understand? You see yourself as one who serves God and who serves people in God's name. That's who you are. But if I am a servant, guess what servants do? They serve. Yeah. You don't sit down across and oh, I'm being oh, I'm just being oh. No, <laughs> I am a servant. That's who I am, and I'm growing as a servant because that's who Christ is. Yeah. And yeah. as I am becoming more and more Christ-like as a servant, guess what? When I see opportunities and 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 the things that that I believe God can work through me, I'm available. Okay, and and making myself available, God may say, yeah, go and do it. Other times, God may say, no. Leave that for someone else. Okay. So you're allowing the Lord to lead. Let me, let me, I don't know. Most of you perhaps have heard of Rick Warren. You've heard of Rick Warren? Anyone? Are you yeah. familiar with Rick Warren? Okay. Rick Warren wrote a book a number of years ago that became a bestseller called The Purpose Driven Life. Mm-hmm. Um, have some of you read it? Have, have, have anybody here has read The Purpose Driven Life? Mm-hmm. Tammy? Yeah. Uh, Gigi, Sandrine, who else? Okay. So it looks like most of you haven't read it or you're just not responding. But he, obviously a lot of people want to know what their purpose. So one of the reasons that book sold so much because he offered some very practical advice that I think is useful to help us get a sense of the direction that our life and ministry most likely is going to go. So at least that's where, that's where we can start. Now, if God chooses to order our steps differently, he can do that too. But he uses the acrostic shape, S-H-A-P-E. And he says that God shapes all of us or each of us for a particular purpose. And in order to be fulfilled in life, we ought to discover what our shape is. That's just another way to say what we were born to do, the why. Okay, he says the way you discover your why is by discovering your shape. What God has shaped you for is a very, very good indication of your why. And and so there's certain questions, he says, a person can ask himself. So when you said to God, God, my desire is to do your will. Whatever your will is, I'm putting no restrictions, no limitations. I am yours. You created me for your glory. And so my purpose for living is to be what you want me to be and to do what you want me to do with my life. Now just, just show me, lead me, guide me. He says, he says, when a person's at that stage, then there are certain practical questions you can ask yourself to give you a sense of where God probably is going to lead you and your why. The first thing he says is that S, and he says the S represents spiritual gifts. Uh, what are the indicators of where God has is probably leading you to or the why is when you look at your life, now that you're born again, are there certain spiritual gifts that you see at work in your life? They may not be fully developed, but they are there. And then he, he directs us to this, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, there are a list of what the Bible calls gifts of the Spirit that God gives to people. 
and and they include they include a number of things. They include uh, prophecy, uh, of course, tongues and interpretation of tongues, uh, service, giving, hospitality, administration, the gifts of healing, uh, and then if each, in Ephesians chapter four, there's a apostle, the the. <coughs> a prophet, a teacher, the evangelist. And so there's a whole list of, of spiritual gifts. And the Bible says God gives gifts to every one of us. So he says one of the things that can will, will help point you in the direction of your why when you, when you get born again is to see, okay, what are the gifts that I see at work in my life? Okay. And if you can begin to identify some of these gifts in your life, that is clearly an indication of, of where God is probably going to be using you and where you're going to find your greatest fulfillment. The H, he says, is for your heart. In other words, what are you passionate about? Okay, what, 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 what makes you angry? Okay. Uh, there's just certain things when you see it, there's just, you get angry and there's something about you that wish you could do something about it. Okay. So what are some of the needs that you observe are the things that you see in life, in your church, in your community, in your nation, in your world that you are just, when you, there's something, when you hear that problem or you see that happening, your heart is moved. You know, Jesus was moved by compassion, but there's something that moves you. Either there's a compassion that rises up on the inside of you, and you want to fix that problem, or there's, an, or there's anger that rises up on the inside of you, and you want to stop that thing from happening. Uh, or there's just joy. Whenever you think about this, there's such joy that rises, and you, and you want to do that stuff, and nobody even got to, got to pay you because you just find real fulfillment in doing it. Okay, so he calls that the heart. What is what are you passionate about? What moves you emotionally? Either making you angry, indicating that's, a, that's something I want to be involved in solving. That's a problem I want to solve. Maybe for you, a sickness. Maybe whenever you get someone is sick, it just there's an anger on the inside of you that people are sick. You just hate that. Well, that may be an indication that God wants to use you in the area of healing. Hmm. Okay. Um, or when you see people confused or people just, you know, people don't just don't know stuff. They're just something about you that hate ignorance. And you take, you have great joy in, in explaining things to people and making it clear. And you have that gift of taking complex things and making them simple. Well, that might be an indication that your area is probably going to be teaching. You know, or like Dr. Patricia, who wants to witness to everybody. Okay, anybody who should see his loss is ready to witness. Well, that's probably an indication that her gift is in that area of evangelism. And she that's why she, you know, she says, I believe God has called me to evangelism. So look at, at those spiritual gifts as well as the thing that really moves you. Either again, it can, it can be a problem that just makes you angry, or it's something that every time you see it, it's just joy that rises on the inside of you. Or if there's just something that you that just moves your compassion and you just want to you want to fix it. Again, you have a heart for those things. That may be again a sense of okay, where God is going to be leading me is going to be in helping to resolve some of these issues and these problems. Okay. Then the A, 
in the in the acronym is for ability. So he has spiritual gifts, which God gives as supernatural gifts. But then he says there's just these natural abilities that you're born with. Again, remember, God gave you those abilities. And when he was creating you, he was creating you. You, you know why I know I'm not a I'm not a I'm not called to the, to the praise and worship team, right? I don't even have to pray about that. I don't have to fast. You understand? I wish I could. I really wish I could get up there. Oh, I wish I could. But you know, I don't, that's not my, I don't have that ability. You know, I can't tell a major from a minor chord. <laughs> you know, I discovered that in junior high school. I was taking a music class and I did well with the theory, but man, I couldn't, everybody could hear the thing and I just couldn't hear it. So that was when I gave up my music career. <laughs> I remember I was trying to learn how to play the guitar. In the music class. And so there was this day when the music teacher was supposed to do something, you know, in the, in the gymnasium, the students came in, the music class was presenting something. And there was a song that we all were supposed to be playing. I had practice. And I got up there, I forgot what I was doing. But I just pretended. I pretended. <laughs> Nobody knew I, I was lost. <laughs> I kept moving my head, but I was lost. So that, I, I know that's, the, I don't have that gift. So I'm not even praying about that. That's not even something I'm even considering as a possible area that, uh, where God has called me to. But I, I know I have a gift of teaching. I have a gift of using words. I have a gift of, you know, bringing things that are complex and making them simple. So that helps me to understand that the area God's going to use me is the, probably the area where he has gifted me in terms of my natural ability. I believe there's both the natural gift of teaching and then it's a spiritual gift. Okay, so I see the natural gift, and then I believe God has added a spiritual dimension to it. So again, what are your gifts? What are you good at naturally and you enjoy doing? That again, is not something to, to say, oh, that's just me. No, God is the one who created you. He had a purpose, and he gifted you to be able to fulfill that purpose. Now, some of us are multi-talented, and you can't do everything. Okay, but certainly... It is possible to use all of those gifts in the same, you know, to help do what God has called you to do. Great. But there will be those gifts that you have and certainly the ones that you're strongest in, you know, uh, especially when that matches your circumstances in terms of opportunities to meet needs. That would be an indication, you know what, this is probably something that God created me for and I should start taking steps in that direction. Okay, so you got the spiritual gifts, you got this hard uh, passion for uh, emotional connection to certain things and you have the ability just your natural ability that God has given you okay and you see those abilities you start to use it uh, you know I see I see grace grace will heal okay uh, I think initially grace grace did banking I think I think that was her area uh, now I don't know why she chose banking. Maybe it was just again expectation. Maybe of the family looked like a good career and whatever it is, but she chose banking. But now she's discovered that she has this gift with uh, you know decorating all that kind of stuff, and she's yeah. has passion about it. So now she's left the banking and she's focusing on that, and she seems very fulfilled. Mm -hmm. You follow me because this is something. She has the ability to do, and she's enjoying doing it, and she gets delight from, from making people happy, you know, uh, at their ceremonies, okay? So look, what, is, what are you gifted to do naturally? That, again, can help you determine the why of your life.
All right? And then your, then your personality. All of us here got different personalities. And guess what? God doesn't want to change your personality. Now he wants to take the sin part out. Yep. Okay, but if, if you are if you are uh, uh, naturally a very excitable person, you know you, hey, God doesn't want you to become like me. God will God gave you that personality for a purpose, and He wants to use and reveal Himself through your personality. So don't don't shut it down. Just make sure it's 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 it's, it's expressed in a way that glorifies God. And it's not sinful. But God gave you the personality that you have because he wants to reveal himself through you and through that personality. You know, so you you would be, you know, so so Tammy would be the Jesus in Tammy form. And and Yemi would be Jesus in in in, in Yemi's form. And and I would be Jesus. So Jesus has all of these personalities that he can express himself through. Okay. So if you are a person who loves, you know, you're, you're an extrovert, you, you know, you greet people, you make people feel welcome, all that stuff. You know, maybe one of the things that in the church that you find a lot of fulfillment in doing is being a greeter. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's what you do in your life, but that's something that you probably write in the church because say, you know what? You know, this is something that I would be good at and I would enjoy because I like people, I like to greet people, all that stuff. But if you're an introvert, your personality is you don't talk much and you don't smile, then probably being a greeter is not where, but there may be, there probably is a place for someone who is more, more quiet, you know, and doesn't talk much, okay, but really cares for people and, and all that kind of stuff. So don't ignore your personality. Now, again, there's a sinful part that, that Christ will want to transform and change. But the core personality, each of us has our own. And, and, and that can indicate how he wants to use us, you know, as well. So you got the, you got the what? You got the spiritual gifts. You got the heart, emotion, passion. You got the ability or the aptitude. You know, what do you have an aptitude for? Then you have the personality. And then the last thing, the E, he says your, your life experiences. And then Pastor Chris said that, you know, she didn't know she was going to be my wife. And she didn't know she was going to be a senior pastor at that point. But in her church, she was giving the opportunity to, to teach Sunday school. Teach Sunday school, do different things. Ended up working with the as a pastor's assistant. Probably you know, new converts. Yeah. So again, she was simply being what a what what a child of God should be at that time, uh, making herself available and listening to her pastor and letting him guide her, okay, and being a servant. These things we should be characteristics of all of us who are consecrated God's will. But God again chose the kinds of things she did and the experiences she was getting, okay, helped to prepare her today to be the pastor wife that she is. So you, you, you have experiences, you have experiences, family experiences. What are some of the things that you learned? What are some of the experiences you had within your family that, has, that have shaped your life, that shaped the way you think, and that you believe can make you either more sensitive to people, more caring, more compassionate, able to help people? Um, your, your educational experiences, what subjects were you very good at in school that you enjoy? 
okay, and all that, all that kind of stuff. What are some of your experiences there? You take a look at those experiences. Uh, your vocation, your, your, your work, what have you done? What jobs have you had? What have you been good at? Uh, so you can look at your experiences. Uh, uh, what are the things that you have suffered in life that have caused you much pain? All of those experiences enrich you and equip you. Uh, and God will use them if you let them to make you uh, a more effective minister or to help you fulfill your vocation. So look at those experiences and, and you may find that there are certain things that are common in all of those experiences that point in a particular direction. So Rick Warren has a whole, and we, you know, I don't know whether we're still using it at the church, but I know we did use it at some time um, in the, the ministry, the, the heart of the servant class. After you did the heart of the servant, you did the spiritual gifts inventory and all that stuff. But that's something that you can apply personally. If you're not sure what area God would have you to, to move in yet, and you kind of want to have at least a sense of what direction you should be moving to, prayerfully ask yourself, Lord, what are the gifts that are spiritual gifts that I can see at work in my life? They may, may not be fully developed yet, but I see them. And these are things that I really desire. These are gifts that I desire. What is it that really moves me emotionally in my heart? What touches my heart? Either makes me angry or moves me with compassion or fills me with joy. Whenever I contemplate or whenever I'm involved in that, okay, then your, your ability, what natural gifts do you actually have that you're good at? And you know that you're good at it because people often tell you you're good at it, okay? And I mean, and so you will know, oh, you're good at this, okay? What are those abilities and then your personality and your experiences that can help guide you as well? Okay. Any questions, comments? Thank you for sharing that. Um, oh, Auntie Chris, go ahead. You know, I say, I'm saying to Bishop, I think, I believe we have some questions. Yes, there is um, some questions in the chat, which I can look at for you, um, which I believe you answered this, but just to, you don't have to spend too, too long on this, but it says, what if you have certain physical gifts, but you're not sure that God, but you're not sure that that's what God wants you to do with your life? Like again, again don't wait until you're sure. <laughs> what I'm saying is God will order your steps. Make the, make the commitment. I keep coming back to that consecration piece. When you have consecrated yourself to God, really you can trust your heart. Because, you know, the Bible says that the spirit bears witness to our spirits. The primary way God leads us today is, is that bear, the spirit bears witness with our spirit. I don't know about you, but God doesn't speak to me in dreams and visions and audible voices every day, right? Okay. But some of us, we've never heard the audible voice of God. But some of us, we've never seen an open vision. Guess what? That's common to most people. Those people who see visions, they hear voices, are exceptions. And mind you, even those people who see and hear, many times they don't see and hear concerning themselves. Okay. When it comes to their, their, their own decisions, they're just like you and me. You know, it's amazing that people who have prophetic gifts and can prophesy to you, and then you end up marrying someone, and they and the person can't make it. Okay, wait a minute. You knew all of this. You could prophesy to me and tell me about my husband and the person God has chosen for me as a wife. But then when you got married, you married someone, you ended up divorced. You didn't know. Wait a minute. Okay, because the gifts of the Spirit were not for them. 
God can use the gifts of the Spirit. But when it came come to finding out what God's will is, they had to wait upon God and, and seek God and trust God. You follow me? The point is, don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you have truly, truly surrendered your heart to God's plan and purposes, okay? And there's an opportunity before you, and there's and you pray about it, and there's this peace that you have, okay, about it. And you have, like I said, you know, there's this passion, all these things that you know there's no script, no, no word being violated. If 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 you if the decision is is going to be a costly one, if you make a mistake, then seek counsel from people who are more mature than you. You can talk. That's where your pastors and others come in. Well, you can come in and say, Bishop or Pastor, this is what I'm sensing. You know, here is this opportunity. My heart feels right about this. You know, I, I, I sense that this is something God wants me to do. Uh, but I want some counsel in this area. And many times God can work through spiritually mature people, your pastors, et cetera, to help you um, make a good decision in that, uh, at that point. Because sometimes it can be right, but not the right time. Okay, so you certainly can take advantage of more mature believers that you can talk to. But generally, we can follow our hearts. You understand? If we have truly consecrated ourselves to him. And again, like I said, don't be afraid of making honest mistakes. Okay, if, if, if the decision you're making is because deep in your heart, you believe this is what God wants you to do to glorify him. Again, that motivation is for his glory. Don't be afraid. Take that step, that first step. And if, if, if God doesn't want you to go further, you will lose your peace. You follow me and you say, uh-oh. You know, but if this, uh, I take, ah, uh, I feel peace about it. I take another, I feel peace about it. I take another step, I feel peace. And the peace is there and it keeps getting stronger and stronger. Well, that's probably a good indication that the direction you're taking is probably the right one. Yeah. Let me just reiterate something Bishop said that um, take advantage of those people that God has put into your life, those mature people, uh, like, like Samuel. Uh, he, was, he was learning to hear God's voice, but he went to Eli. Who had who had lived hearing God's voice and said, Eli, this is what I'm sensing. Uh, uh, help me here. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, help me here. And because of that, Samuel made the right decisions. Um, often we don't talk to those who have walked this walk before us, because I am hearing from God. Okay? We we see. Um, darkly. Uh, we don't have the full vision yet. And so when you're beginning to sense that this is the direction in which God is leading me and you pray about it, talk to those who have walked the walk before you and let them guide you. Let them pray with you so that you, you do not make that mistake that you have to. And, and those mistakes were just delayed. Um, God is God, and he will still bring your things to pass, that his purpose for your life. But take advantage of those around you, those adults, I mean, spiritual adults who have walked the walk. I mean, that's helpful for major life-altering decisions. I think it just helps if you got those people in your life to say, this is what I'm sensing, this is what I'm feeling, this is why I feel this way. 
like for you to pray with me about it or give me some counsel based upon your own experience. You take that into account, okay, as you're making your decisions. Okay. Yeah. That is helpful. Too often nowadays when people come to see us, they come and they say, God has spoken to me. Mm. And once, once they say God has spoken to me, there's, they're not open anymore to any kind of counsel or guidance or direction from their pastors or whoever, because, hey, God has spoken. So if, if God has spoken and I begin to ask you some questions, you think now nah, I'm trying to teach to keep you from obeying God. And so now I can become your enemy. Well, I can become your, an obstacle because, wait a minute, God spoke to me and the pastor, you know, too often that's how folks come. But I think the right thing to do if you have a godly pastor is to say, you know, especially again with those life-altering decisions. It's, pastor, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I believe God is saying. This is why I believe God is saying this. Any advice for me? Any counsel for me? Because I want to make the right decision. I think you approach that way and you listen to the wisdom that God will give to you through your pastor. Now, ultimately, you will still make your decision, but take whatever comes out of that person's mouth seriously as you make your decision. Don't dismiss it as simply being, ah, oh, that's the enemy trying to stop me from doing what God has called me to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, let me, my story with Pastor Chris, I, I've said it here and there. I don't know whoever told you all the full story. You know, in terms of how we met and how we got married. But, you know, I was in Oklahoma at Oral Roberts University. Pastor Chris was in Liberia. And we never met physically. Uh, and as I said, at Oral Roberts, there were a lot of pretty girls there. And they were all Christian girls. So it was not like a bunch of unbelievers. So I, you know, Gigi, <laughs> you know. So there were many, right? So I'm there. I'm, I'm a young man, you know. I'm not bad looking, uh, and and so I get I I see a lot of girls that hey, outwardly they're beautiful, and some of them are singing in the choir and souls of fire, you know, souls of fire. So um, and my eyes are not closed, so I see. <laughs> all right. So I just say, but by the time I get in my in my twelfth, I'm my 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 last year of college, I think about marriage at this point. Okay, so I start to pray. And my prayer wasn't long. It wasn't, I didn't fast. I don't recall fasting, all of that. Just I was saying, God, I thank you, you know, for blessing me with a beautiful wife who loves you, who loves me. You know, three or four sentences. And every time I thought about it, that's what I would say. Um, and as I began to pray that way, my sister who was in Liberia, who was Chris's pastor's wife at that time, uh, out of the blue, she had never done that before. Writes me a letter and mentions Chris. And she doesn't tell Chris that she's mentioning her name. Chris never talked to her about me. Okay, but when I begin to pray, obviously God put Chris's name on her mind and prompted her. And she didn't know at that point she was being led by the Lord. It wasn't a voice or a vision that God spoke to her. She just felt in her heart again, God put it in her heart. One day she just saw Chris and said, hmm, you know, I think this girl would make a good, good wife for my brother. That was her stuff. And so she wrote this thing and just mentioned Chris. But because I had started praying, when that letter came, it got my attention. And I said, oh, I've been praying right now and, and now. So the timing was right. If I had gotten that two years earlier, I probably would not have paid much attention to it. But he said, God waited, you know, for the right time. Like, these are the kinds of things God does that helps you to have peace when you're making these decisions. So this letter comes and, and I read it 
And of course, that I correspond with Chris on the side and correspond. But in the final analysis, even though I felt good about her and she felt good about me, we didn't ignore our pastors. Yeah. You follow me? I, 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 if, if her pastor had told me now, nah, you know, uh, uh, you know, this girl, I really, really don't think she's the right one for you. I don't think we would be married. I really don't. Okay. But, but what was in my heart, I felt good about it. I submitted it to a, to a, to a man of God who I trusted and would, would counsel me correctly and listen to his advice. And God used him to give me even greater assurance that what I was sensing was right. Okay. And, and so on that basis, I had sort of married me. And I, that was the best decision I made. I could not have made a better choice in terms of my wife. I'm being honest with you. Okay. Even though there are a few times when, when I felt the breeze, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but, but geez, you know, I thank God for my wife. Okay. Uh, but again, yes, I was being led by the spirit. Yes. I had peace, but with a major decision like this, it, I had in my life someone who I could trust was a mature believer, spiritual, who I could trust to help guide me with that decision. You know, I was wise to go to him and have him help me think through that decision. And as a result of his guidance, it just gave me great assurance that what I was sensing in my spirit was of God. And now we've been married for 30, 30 something years, right? And so we've had all these years to prove it. And, this, and that decision was right. But now we look back and we say, man, we did that. <laughs> you know, because I asked her to marry me and she said yes before we had even spent one day together. Wow. The first time I saw her physically was when she got off the airplane in Tulsa, Oklahoma in June, right? You came in June of 1982. Hmm? June 20th. You remember the exact date <laughs> when she arrived in Tulsa. So she got there June twentieth. We're married July twenty fourth. Our anniversary is this this month. So again, but that was a spirit led decision. But it wasn't one in which we ignored and didn't and take advantage of the men and women of God that God has put over us as shepherds to help us and guide us with these kinds of major decisions. So I encourage you, take advantage of that. Don't despise that. Yeah, and um, I think someone was asking while you were, you know, in the middle of talking, but I think you guys pretty much um, said it because someone asked, you know, what are some steps to consecration? And it seems like, you know, well, what you already established in the beginning by saying that, you know, you had that revelation from very young. Um, a lot of times people meet that when they're in their late teens, early 20s or whenever. But you said you had that revelation that you belong to the Lord and his will should be allowed um, to flow through you or his will be done through you. Um, and then it sounds like also just having that lifestyle of constant counsel with, you know, people from their hearing from people from their experience. And I think um, it's, it's more wisdom to, to want to go to those people who are older and seek counsel and seek, um, you know, um, that would just save us the, the many years of mistakes and help us from not 
following their mistakes and help us to prevent and avoid certain things that we could um, use to not prolong our journeys. Um, so thank you guys for sharing that. But is there any other um, aspect or other steps to consecration that you guys might want to no, add? Don't make it complicated. I think we make these things complicated. And it should be. It's very simple. Consecration is simply you make a decision that your life belongs to God. And it's not your own. And, and whatever days God gives you on this earth, whatever abilities God gives you, whatever gifts there for his glory. And you and that's what you want. So that when you make that decision, you have consecrated yourself to God. Now, the enemy will sometimes try to test that consecration and offer you stuff. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness? He had consecrated himself to doing God's will when he was baptized. That was, you know, he was consecrating himself to God's purpose. And the next thing you know, he's in the wilderness, he's being tempted, okay? And the enemy tells him, if you turn, you can turn stone into bread. You can bow down to worship me, and I will give you all of these. And his consecration to God was being tested. But each time he said, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because he knew he no longer was living to please himself or to satisfy himself. He was living to do God's will. And so he, he, was, he overcame that spiritual battle, for his consecration. And when he came out of the wilderness, the Bible says he came full of the spirit and power. So the consecration is when you make that decision, it will be tested. It will be, you know, enemy will try to get you to step away from it. So make, make the decision and then resist any attempt of the enemy for you to take over again and start to do things for your glory rather than making God's glory always first. Now, yeah, let me say this. Don't assume that God's will is always going to be different from your will. Quite the, quite, quite the opposite. I think when you fully consecrated yourself, that's why I say you can trust your heart. When you have truly, truly consecrated yourself, your born-again spirit wants to do God's will. Deep down in your heart, your born-again spirit wants to please God. So if you're able to pay attention to what's in your heart, not your feelings and your emotions, but what deep down in my heart, you know, what is at your very core as a child of God is a desire to please God. You're a new creature. Okay, so when you begin to find yourself being pulled away into things that you know do not represent God's will for you, or you know are sinful, remind yourself, that's not me. Deep down in my heart, at my core, I am consecrated to God. At my core, what I desire is to please God. And I'm going to follow what's at my core. And I'm not going to yield to this superficial uh, emotional stuff that I may be temporarily experiencing. Yeah. And um, thanks for sharing that and clearing up, um, you know, at least it shaped my perspective differently now. Um, but going back to, you know, when you were saying it's a little challenging um, to, you know, preach to this generation. I remember um, you spent, I think, maybe three series where you covered like, you know, um, let me just go to the sermon title before. Um, you said so, it, it was talking about getting our priorities right. And then there was another message that you preached on about um, discovering God's dream for our life. And it was a lot of, you know, you know, that servant, servant attitude of serving within the church where, you know, like you were sharing a little bit about how this generation, we tend to like uproot ourselves. You know, we feel like we're grown. We're no longer getting dragged to our home churches anymore. We're, you know, we feel like we can uproot ourselves and go 
somewhere else um, because it's there, there's that servant attitude that we haven't um, come to terms with or we need um, to adjust as far as like having that um, understanding that there are responsibilities first within the church and within the body that could be addressed. And in one of the sermons that you preached about this, you said at times we can stumble upon our callings and our purpose from serving within the bodies, from serving within um, our churches. So um, I guess the question here would be just how would you like, um, how would you emphasize that a little bit more being that we know that we have, you know, we've seen it in the past, like uh, other people leaving or not really understanding that mandate um, to serve within the body. Yeah, again, I don't know if there's, there's any different way to say it other than to repeat it, okay? Yeah. Uh, we are, each of us is a member of a body. And I think the illustration I used was with your arm, your eyes, your ears, no matter what part of your physical body, uh, you you know, each part of the physical body cre was created to serve the body it's a part of. That's just a reality. I mean, my ear has no function other than to serve my body. Okay, my body was not created to serve my ear. My ear was created to serve my body. Uh, my arms were created to serve my body. My body was not created to serve my arms. So that's just a reality. And God, again, you can learn a lot of truth spiritually by looking at natural things. This is the same creator, the one who created the natural world, created the spirit world. So there's a pattern. And God really teaches a lot of spiritual lessons through physical things. So look at how the body functions. Every part is unique. Every part is important. Every part has a purpose. So in the spiritual body, the church, every member has a purpose and a plan. So each of us, me, you, no matter what our age, if we're in Christ, we're in his body, and God has placed us in that body like he places every other member in the body, physical body, to serve that body. Okay? But if my arm is in this, is attached to this body, but my arm is so focused on, on being somewhere else, okay, so that my, my arm is not helping my body to get water when it needs water to, to, to eat when it needs to eat, what's going to happen? My body is going to suffer and my arm is not going to fulfill its purpose. Yeah. Okay? So, again, I, God puts, when you get born again, he puts you in the body of Christ. That is, we're all part of the universal body. But the universal body finds its expression on earth in local churches and in local bodies. Mm -hmm. All right? And if, if you are born again in a particular church or you've been led to a particular church, certainly, you know, for the time that you were there, you ought to understand that, I'm here, and God put me here to serve this body. But a lot of times we come to churches and say, okay, I'm coming for the church to serve me. Mm. Okay, I got this mission. I got this vision. I got this plan. I got this ambition. I got this great call from God. Now let me go to this church and see how this church serves me, how this church ministers to me so that I can be this great person God has called me to be. I think that's a whole, that's a completely wrong approach. The approach should be God has called me, God has gifted me, and I have these areas. Now, how can I use the gifts that I have right where I am? Now, for some people, what God has called them to do will be local. And it's not, it's not minimized. It's not, you're not less important because you're serving and building up your local church as somebody who is maybe serving uh, the body of Christ at large. It's a matter of what has God given you to do. Okay. So if you're right now part of the local church at Oldie, 
uh, you know, you're singing in the, in, the, in the praise team, I believe, because you understand that's a gift God has given you. And what are you doing? You say, you know what? I'm not just going to sit here when I know that I have a gift that I can use here to serve this body and, and, and to glorify God. So you have made yourself available and you're being a blessing. But there are a lot of folks who are at the church who are not doing that. Okay. Instead, they come Sunday after Sunday for the church to serve them. And then they complain because the church isn't doing this, the church isn't doing that. And before you know it, they've gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay. When that's the wrong mentality, the wrong approach. And I don't think you'll ever discover what God has called you to do if you approach the local church with that attitude. That's good. You know, yeah. Pastor Chris says she was actually serving her local church, you know, uh, you know, as her pastor were guiding her, directing, she was serving. That's how she ended up finding this man, marrying this man as her husband. She didn't go there looking for me. And she didn't go there for the church to serve. She went there, she was saved, she got born again in the church and she was just making herself available. God, I'm in this family and I want to be a blessing here. What, how do you want to use me here? I'm available. With that attitude, God ordered her steps and eventually connected us together and now we're doing what we're doing. So it doesn't mean you will remain in a local church all your life. For some people, it will be. God has called you to a local church and that's where you're going to be all your life. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. I've been part of this local church since 19, <laughs> 19 what, 87? I mean, I could, I could do other things, but this is the local church God has attached me to. You know, I haven't gotten up and say, you know what, I'm kind of tired doing this. Let me go try another little church. You know, I, you know, I'm human. I can get tired too, right? Okay, from a human standpoint, I can say, you know what, I've been doing this. Well, I'm kind of tired now. Nah, let me go try some other church. Let me move and just go try something else. No, I realize this is where God has placed me, and this is where I am, and I need to be faithful here. Now, as I'm doing that, doors are opening. God is ordering my steps. Fine. Okay? So we, you, all of us, whatever local church God has led us to, we should see that God led us there not to be served. Jesus said the son of men did not come to be served. Again, the being thing. Okay, being rather than doing, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. So I'm going to come here and I'm going to be a servant here. Mm. Okay? And I know that in all things, Christ should be first. So I'm being a servant here, and my, my goal is to, to how do I make Christ first in this, in this local church as I serve? How do I glorify Christ? How do I make him first in, in, in the way I belong to this church. Okay, when you approach it that way, guess what? God will show you what to do. Yeah. And then when you start doing that as unto the Lord, he orders your steps. And some of you, he may order your step to a different type of ministry at some point. Or he may order your step elsewhere. And if he does, praise God. But many of you who say, no, this is where I want you to be, and I want you to continue to minister here and help raise up other people. You know, you stay here and let your life be an influence to raise up. There's another generation coming. You don't have to go and find other people to minister to because they're right here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I want you present. I want you now to, to let me use you right here to raise up, strengthen, minister, bless this local congregation, this group of Christians, this group of new believers. God wants to use you to bless them and, and, and raise them. You see? And if you're faithful to that, if he sees fit, and when he sees fit, he may choose to give you something else to do or something more to do. But 
where your success lies is in doing what God has called you to do, not in being outside and having a ministry in your name. That's not what makes you successful in God's eyes. It's, it's your commitment to glorify him wherever you are. Yeah. Amen. We've we um, said this, and it, it bears repeating, that even as you're serving, God is using that process to shape and form you. Hmm. And he's developing some things in you because you're not serving in a vacuum. You're interacting with people. And God is using all those opportunities to build you up, to shape you for whatever he's called you to, either in the local church or even outside the scripture that comes to mind. If you are not faithful in that, which is another man who will give you your own. Mm. So this is where you, you begin in a local church and God uses that to shape and form you for what At the same time, I don't want you to think that, okay, everybody's supposed to have their own ministry. So I'm supposed to be in the local church for five years and I'm supposed to have my own ministry and step out and do something. That's not God's plan for everybody. No. Okay, your own ministry may be just what God has given, has given you to do in your local church. Mm-hmm. You don't have to start something and put your name on it. Mm-hmm. You know, just let the Lord use you where you are to build up and minister to the people in that church. There's people, there are always people there to receive ministry. You know, there are people who are sick who need to be prayed for and be healed, who need to be encouraged. There are people who are struggling with sin. There are people who are uh, struggling with certain decisions. There are people who are discouraged. I mean, there are all kinds of needs right there in the local church. And God has gifted you, and God can use you right there to have a powerful ministry right in that local church as you make yourself available to him. But if you are there and you're thinking that, you know, you need to be somewhere else because you need to be doing something big, you'll never make yourself available, and you end up not being faithful or not being fulfilled. Yeah. And I think like you guys rightfully said that it starts with finding the need within the church or like finding where you like your belongingness to the church as far as like where you can serve and um, display your gifts and talents and whatnot. And I think that that also it kind of wears many sleeves in a sense where it's like, yes, I may lead, um, you know, with praise and worship, but then I could also turn around and be, you know, a mentor to somebody. I can also turn around, you know, obviously in context of relationships and context of serving within the body, I can turn around and be, you know, a mission, a missionary when it comes to like that, the heart of going out and being um, an evangelist and carrying on that mandate. Then I can also turn around and be a counselor, which is the same thing essentially as a mentor, but just being there for people. Um, And so I think that that's also something that I'm realizing that it's not just one call and done, but it also morphs into other areas where there are also needs within the church. Yeah, I agree. And I think practically all of us have maybe one area that is dominant and then we have another area that may not be dominant, but it's also something that we enjoy doing and we get to do. And you can do both. I mean, you don't have to do do the one thing, but it can just be willing to be used of the Lord, pray about this. And if your heart is pulling you towards something and say, God, I'm willing. You follow me? But I think we would have a dominate, a dominant uh, gift or a dominant motivation in our lives. And then we have, we have one or two others that are not as dominant, but they're still very strong in our lives. And we can, we can make ourselves available to God to use us in those areas. Yeah. 
again, if you if, if, if any man desires to do the will of God, he will know the will of God. So your desire to be used of God is real. God will show you opportunities and he will give you things to do and he will work through you. And that's wherever you are. Wherever you are. This has you know, the, great, the, great, the Great Commission, this, this is the Great Commission. The great, the great Commission is really not go into all the world. The Great Commission really is as you're going, make disciples, okay? It's a, it's a little bit different. In other words, wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself today, the issue is not, am I supposed to be here or not? This is where you are. Mm-hmm. However you got there, that's where you are. So while I'm here, well, as long as I'm here, what I'm going to do is glorify the Lord in this situation. I'm going to make myself available for Christ to work through me here. Okay, so you may have a job right now you don't like. That's not the job you want, but that's the job you have. So you know what God's will is for you right there? It's to glorify Christ in that place. Now, if tomorrow he gives you an opportunity to get something better, fine. But until he does, his will is that right where you are, you glorify him. So this is why Jesus said, or Paul says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So you want to know the will of God? The will of God is wherever you are, give thanks, praise him, and glorify him there. And he can change your circumstances when he chooses to. But until he does, give thanks in it. Don't be complaining and murmuring. You know, he says to slaves, he says, listen, if you are a slave, Christian, you're a slave. He said, if you can get your freedom, please get your freedom. But if not, then go ahead and be a slave or be a slave as unto the Lord. Hmm. Very practical. Okay, it's not God's will that you be a slave, but if for now you are a slave, don't complain, don't murmur. You know what you do? Instead of seeing yourself working for this slave master, say, you know what? I'm going to do this as unto you, Lord. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to, whenever I serve these people, I'm going to be doing it for your glory. And I'm going to serve in the manner that you glorify. Okay, again, that comes, that's come, comes back to that idea of being rather than focusing on, I suppose, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be doing that. Wherever you are, be Christ in that situation. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of... Um you know, the story of Moses and the Israelites, where it's like we saw a lot of complaining and just murmuring and a lot of doubt when it came to their journey um, from him leading them out of Egypt. And I see that that really prolonged, you know, that took 40 years, what would have really took in like, I don't know, two weeks or so, even less. So just kind of like to what you you guys were saying about like giving thanks. I I found it to be really practical in my old job um, where I, I didn't really like it, but um, I know that there was a reason and a purpose why God placed me there to one, help me with some character things and to also just going through that process. I can look now in hindsight, seeing the areas where he definitely helped me um, uh, increase my bandwidth for a lot of people, whether it's in like showing more grace, uh, you know, fruits of the spirit, more love towards people. Um, and so I think that that's um, perfect, like what you guys shared about not murmuring or being. Um, you know, doubtful or like, you know, just um, taunting the process by complaining, but 
asking God, coming back to that why, like, why does he have me here? And what what's the purpose behind this? Um, so thank you guys for expanding on that. We will have to have a part two because this is just getting so good. And I know that we still have a lot more questions that people sent in and we're a little bit over time. Um, we did plan to end at 8.30 originally, but um, Pastor V had texted me to go longer through like 9 p.m., but hopefully we can have you guys. I know you guys have, you know, such busy schedules, but if we can have you guys next week or whenever your schedule permits, please, 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 we would love to have you guys again because this is only, you know, it's very beneficial. Um, so a lot of them are voting already. Part two, everyone's asking for a part two. So please, um, we can talk about that outside of here um, about your schedule and when we can talk about um, this topic next next time.